All right, so we know summertime is a big deal for superhero movies, right? How many people have seen a superhero movie so far this summer, right? So we make a big deal about super. There's something about a superhero that draws us in. We, we, we love it, and we love these guys, and we love what they stand for, and we all realize that none of us really have superpowers. So trying to be a superhero is going to be really difficult in a real life. You can try, but it, you'd look silly. And I think there's actually movies about regular people trying to be superheroes and just looking stupid. But anyway, we are talking about everyday heroes, people that, that can step into life, real life, and actually make a huge difference. And uh, Christian started off by talking about how he, everyday heroes serve, and they, they look to see opportunity, and they step into it. It's not even, you know, you serve because you love what you're going to be doing. You serve because you see a need. You serve because you step in there. And then he talked about everyday heroes have a mission. They have a purpose. They're reminded that there's something, that we are made for something greater than just getting up every day and going to work and eating and breathing. There's something that God has for each one of us, a purpose, a mission that we can step into and we can partner with God. And then Mandy talked last week. I can't remember what she talked about. Now, she talked about how everyday heroes have to overcome the obstacles in our lives. We have to kind of push through. We have to overcome. We have to be obedient to what God's called us to do, even though there are way many excuses saying, you don't have to really, you know, just give up. And we have to rise above that to persevere, to be these everyday heroes. And so today, I'm going to, is our last series, and we're going to be talking about how everyday heroes are willing to invest in the younger generation. They're willing to care for, to, to call out potential, to encourage. And so we're going to watch a clip from a hero movie. Actually, it's, like, it's a trailer, but we're going to watch this here. So let's take, the, take a look. Okay. My favorite is don't do anything I wouldn't do. And definitely don't do anything I would do. There's a little gray area that you can work in. That's, but we're not going to be Iron Man. You're not going to have billions. Of, if anybody here has billions of dollars and has a spacesuit that can shoot rockets, then you shouldn't be here right now. You should be doing something more with your life. Right? We're not going to be Iron Man in, in many ways. But even Iron Man chose to be a mentor. Maybe not the best in the world, but he was the coolest mentor in the world. Right? You might not be the coolest mentor in the world, but we have an opportunity to invest in people to see them grow. And as you live life, the thing is you gain experience. As you live life, you gain wisdom. As you live life, you make mistakes. And these mistakes, actually, you can leverage them. They can either be mistakes that you live with and regret forever, or you can leverage them into a thing of, hey, how can I help other people not live life like I live life? How can they avoid these mistakes? How can I invest in these people? And so... I think the idea of mentoring is overwhelming because I don't know about you. I was raised in like a kind of a Christian culture where it's like you had like this formal relationship, like your mentor and, and I, you know, learn at your, at your feet and you tell me what to do. And, and I don't think that's necessarily what we're supposed to do. I think it's way more organic than that. I think it's way more relational. See, the kingdom of God is based on relationship. 
And so we're meant to be invested in one another. We're meant to be invested in seeing each other thrive and seeing each other overcome and seeing each other go further than we go. And see, this is the thing, though. In our culture and society right now, I feel like the generations are cut up and isolated way more than ever. You see this just, you know, in like, you know, if you go on social media, you can see like judgment from different generations. Like, oh, those millennials, they know nothing, you know. All they want is avocado toast, you know, and, and, and you know, watch Netflix. And, you know, then you have the, you know, the older generation, like, you know, all oh, those guys, all they do is judge us. Or, you know, they, they think all life is about work and, you know, whatever. I want to pursue my dreams and they don't think about dreams. And there's this, all this judgment, counter judgment, where we're actually meant to be investing in one another like encouraging one another. And the younger generation needs the older generation to reach down and say, come along, come and see what I've learned. And no matter how old you are, there's always a younger generation coming up behind you. But I do want to talk, because I am inching closer and closer to this beautiful, glorious age of 40. All right? And like, that's like half your life. And my wife just turned 40. Uh, Right, so I, I married an older woman. I like to remind her of that continually. She just turned 40. <laughs> and so, and I do feel like there's something about, like, as you get older, you have this perspective, like, you have something to give to the younger generations. And I feel like what's happened more and more, though, in this society is that the older people feel like they, younger people don't want to be near me. They don't want to listen to me. They don't want relationship with me. I think that's so not true. And I think it's, it's going to hurt what God's going to do in the church and what our culture is going to look like. And so we need to work on this. And, and I remember, you know, I think that a lot of people these days are so focused on self, they don't even think about what can I do to impact the people around me. Um, even coaching, like this this past week, we coached at the soccer camp, and you don't even realize the impact. That kid was in my group with Alex and Brandon, and we didn't even realize this was just a kid that we, we were having a good time with, and then we actually came across. Tyler sent us this post and said, hey, this was a kid that was at soccer camp, and he was really impacted, and this is a big deal, and it was just like, wow, I didn't realize that we were having such an impact, not on him, but his family, and all the people that read that post. I mean, that's, that's an incredible thing that you can do by just taking an evening, and I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't, Christian wrote me into coaching. I didn't want to do it. And I thought it was during the day, and I was like, well, you know what, I'll just, rope, you know, this will be part of, like, me pastoring. I'm just going to do this. And then it was at nighttime, and it was like 5.30 to 8.30. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. And then hearing that and seeing that, but I think a lot of us are like, you know what, I don't want to take the time to even be aware of the people around me that need me to invest in them, to love them. And I, my son played in the Delaware Rush Soccer League, and there was literally six different emails that went out, desperate emails for coaches to coach this age group, because no one wanted to do it. And I feel like there's this like, step back from like, the opportunity to give and invest in the younger generations. And I'm not just saying coaching. There's so many other ways to do this. And I think it's, it's, it's a weird divide between like, older generation, younger generation, because when I was raised... I was homeschooled, and so, like, my friends were adults, and my sister. Like, I didn't, and so, like, in our, in our church, we called everybody by their first name, even if they were, like, 50, you know, and, and, and I liked adults, and I interacted with them, and then I went to school in ninth grade, and I realized most people see, most of my age, saw adults as enemies, 
Like they were the enemy, right? They were the teachers. Like teachers, ah, get out. You know, like you hated teachers. And so there's this whole environment like, you know, you distance yourself from the teacher. And then the teacher didn't like teaching us because we didn't like them. And it was like this whole thing. But you remember the teacher that you had that actually stepped into a place and said, you know what? I'm going to really teach you. I'm going to share my heart. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to invest in you. I bet you guys all have a teacher like that you can remember in high school. Raise your hand if you remember a teacher like that, that you're like, yeah, Mr. This or Mrs. That. Invested in there. And so now more than ever, there is a need for people to be intentional about caring and investing in the younger generation. And so you've heard it say that life is like a box of chocolates, right? But I'm going to say your life is more like a treasure chest, okay? Look at this thing. Isn't this amazing? It's beautiful. Now, I tried to fill it with treasure, and I realized we don't have any treasure at our house. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you're going to see some like not glorious treasure as I... Uh, Go along with this illustration, but just, just play with me, okay? Go along with me, okay? And so life is like you are a treasure chest, right? You are a unique blend of experiences, of life, of, of relationships, of successes, of failures, okay? Only you carry this treasure around of you. No one else carries you, what you have. And so you have all of this to give away to people that are around you that are coming up, and you... Oftentimes, we just say, you know what? What do I have to give? Am I special? You know, I bet you most of us feel like we don't have, we're still trying to figure out life. We don't really have anything to give away. But as you open up, you realize there's so much. Now, I did find this special thing. It's beautiful, like two becomes one goblet, you know, that we got for our wedding 20 years ago. Right? But some of you in here are married. Some of you have been married for 20 years, 25 years, 10 years, 15 years. You have navigated. The problem that you see, though, is you say, you know what? My marriage is not a model marriage. I don't want anybody to look at me and be like, can we be like you? Okay? And, and that's true. Like, there's been a lot of problems and failures. But the thing is, is if you take that, we're looking for authentic people. We're not looking for perfect people. We need people who are going to be real with us and say, yeah, you know what? We struggled in this year. We struggled. Funny story. We just did a, um, Rebecca and I just led a small group for young married couples. And the first week that we were doing it, so I was kind of taking the burden of, of what we we're going to share. And the first week I said, you know, I got a, I got a great idea. We should talk about communication. And so she, and, and she looked at me and said, oh, communication. R- really? You're going to talk about communication. <laughs> And I was like, yes, I am going to talk about communication. She's like, well, I don't think you have any right to talk about communication. And I got my feelings hurt. (laughs) And I said, okay, well, whatever, you know, right? But, you know, when we talked about communication, we talked about how bad I was at communication. And it worked, right? You don't have to just talk about all your good things. You can talk about real life because we need to be authentic, And so we had our small group and we were able to talk about like, hey guys, these are a lot of mistakes that we made. You know, we went for days after an argument without talking to each other. Everybody's like, oh, (laughs) they're still married, (laughs) right? And some of you might be like, well, I'm I'm divorced. I'm, I'm on second marriage or a third marriage, whatever, right? Well, maybe you have a unique position to be able to say what it's like to to go through the pain of divorce and, and, and the rebuild of life after that. You have something to offer, 
a younger married couple or someone going through a struggle in their relationship. So there is one thing. Some of you are gifted. Okay, here we go. You've made money, right? Aztec gold. I have this from kids ministry, okay? You have discovered all of this beautiful gold, right? And you think, you know, I don't know anything about money. But when you get together with somebody who's 20 and you're 45, then you realize I know a lot more about money than those guys do, right? And you have something to invest and give. Too often you discredit yourself from being able to give to the next generation. Okay, here we go. You guys are excited about this. What's what's he going to pull out next? Some of you have lived life and you're wise and you can provide... (laughs) A beautiful map of where to go. X marks the spot. You guys like my pirate map, right? No, you have a gift of, of leadership or of, of, of encouragement. You can point out dreams. You can speak to people and say, you know what? God has more for you. You can give them a map of how to re- grow for it. Grow for it. Grow for it. Grow for it or go for it. Whatever you want to say, right? Okay. Um, here we go. Some of you are parents. And you have to drink, I don't know, mead, whatever these things hold, okay, right, pewter, these, I got this, I stole this from my parents' house, right, but listen, you're like, oh my goodness, I can't, I can't mentor anybody in parenting, well, yes, you can, you've experienced so much, it's hard to raise kids, right, it's hard to raise one kid, it's hard to raise eight kids, right, guys, those of you who have eight kids, Right, and, and some of you feel like, you know what, my kids don't even want my advice. What, what right do I have to mentor somebody else? Well, you know what? Sometimes your kids have to go on their own journey. See, a lot of us just say, oh, I'm just going to invest in my family. And that is so limiting what you can give, right? Because sometimes kids have free will and they might be like, I don't really want to listen to you anymore, dad. I don't want to hear you preach at me anymore. But there might be some other people that want to hear you preach to them, Right? So if you want me to preach to you, come along, right? But listen, you know, you can give what you've learned and what you haven't learned and what you've done well and what you haven't done well. Like there is a power in that. Okay, a few more. Some of you have a spiritual background and authority. Some of you know this thing. And there's a lot of us who don't, right? Some of you actually have struggled with your faith and come, gone through the fire, and gone through the other end, and you know what it's like to doubt. You know what it's like to walk away from God. You know what it's like to say, I'm done with church for a while, and then come back to it. And there are people that need to hear your voice. There are, need, there are people who need to hear your insight into this thing, because it's confusing, and it's long, and there's a lot of younger people who don't like to read. And so they need to hear you make it exciting for them. I'm serious. I'm serious. You know, when I get serious, my voice goes up, Okay. Okay, all right. Oh, okay. Uh, here's a, this doesn't mean anything. It's just a candlestick, but it's treasure, okay? My treasure. It's my precious. Um, okay. Some of you have started businesses, have pursued things. Some of you have started nonprofits. Some of you have started good businesses, and you have failed in starting businesses. And we need to hear you. There's a younger generation that needs what you've learned. Actually, something I love about Jordan, if you guys know Jordan Ambra, is that he is somebody who started his own business a few years back, and he's incredibly busy. But I know 
that he will stop everything and meet with someone who's interested in starting their own business. And he'll get together with them and he'll talk to them and he'll invest in them because you know why? He sees the power of mentoring. He knows the importance of it. Even though he's incredibly busy, even though he could say, I don't have time for anybody else because right now I'm building my own thing, he is willing to stop. And so whenever I hear anybody say, I have a dream about starting my own business, I always say two things. Meet with Jordan and meet with Josh Robinson. Jordan has a successful one. Josh has an unsuccessful one. (laughs) And both are going to be very valuable to you. Okay. So uh, Josh has been successful in many things in life. Okay. He's actually almost always right about everything, which is really annoying. Just not his business. That was, that was my thing. You know, the thing is, too, so, so often we discredit ourselves because we feel like life is falling apart and, and we don't have it all together. The thing is, you learn the most about life when life falls apart. You learn the most about God, about who you are, about wisdom, about how to, how to navigate conflict, right? Ah, Here's another one. Some of you have really had a lot of conflict in your life. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's with other people. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's your in-laws, right? You've navigated. You've learned how to do that. And so you've learned, this doesn't mean anything still. It's just treasure, okay? It's a treasure, all right? It's just a lot of drinking going on up here. That's what it is. But see, the problem, oh, one more thing. No! I forgot it. I have one, one, one more treasure, and this was a legitimate treasure, but it was a gold skeleton, skull, a skull. It was disgusting, okay? But inside of our treasure, we carry around these skeletons that we think disqualify us from being people who can give, who can invest, who have something to give. And so what we do is we take all of this treasure, and we take it, and we bury it. We put it away. And we say, you know what, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not that person. I don't have anything to give. And I would challenge you to reframe how you think because you are that person. Every one of you is that person that has something to give. I don't care if you're shy. I don't care if you have low self-esteem. I don't care if you are somebody who's afraid and doesn't want to interact with people. Those are all me, right? And, and, and if, it, if I have to do it, then you do too. And so we would much prefer, it would be so much easier just to bury the treasure The problem with that is that all your experience, all that you have gained, what makes you special, what you have grown in, it's buried. And when you die, it ends with you. And I'm going to tell you, as a man who is close to almost dying, I'm getting closer, inching closer to 40, right? You will regret not having this perspective. Actually, listen. The value of a life is always determined by how much was given away. I just went to a funeral, and it was a woman I didn't know, but I knew the family. And the celebration of this woman, how much she gave away, and the testimony, it blew me away. And it made me say, I wish I knew her, and I wish I was her, because of how much she gave away, how loving she was. And so the value of life is always determined by how much is given away. Actually, Winston Churchill says it like this. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. And so we need to have this mentality like, where can I give away my treasure? How can I give away? And it's relationship. And so we call it mentoring, but you don't have to ever call it mentoring. I mentor a bunch of you and you don't even realize it. You just think I'm your friend, (laughs) right? But we make life by what we give. And there's so many opportunities to give at work, 
at home. Actually, a really cool way is if you have older kids or younger kids, they're friends. You can invest and you can have conversation. You can engage them. You can't, just don't pretend, just, you know, I know you're annoyed by your kids' friends sometimes. You're like, they're loud and obnoxious and eat all my food, but, and drink all my Snapple, but they actually are people. Teenagers are people. And you can invest in those kids too. And it's actually really rewarding to do that. And so Jesus talks about this kind of in a story. And you know his parables. And this is one of his, his famous parables. And it's the parables of, of the talents is what it's called. But, oh, okay. So basically what Jesus does is he tells a story about this master who gave bags of gold to his three servants. One, one servant got five bags of gold, which was an enormous amount of wealth. One got two bags, and another guy got one bag. And I think one of the reasons why this story was told by Jesus is because most of us identify as one bag of gold people. We feel average. I mean, really, if you, there's a part of me that thinks, what do I really have to give to anybody else? Like, there, there is that question that follows me around, and we probably feel that. I'm not anything special. I haven't, like, you know, done anything miraculous. You know, I've done pretty much what everybody else does, get married, have kids, you know, whatever. I'm not, and so we feel like these one baggers. And he says, even though you feel like a one bag person, there is still an expectation to do something with what you've given. Okay? And so he says that these guys, the five-bagger, he took it and he invested it and he gave it away. Not gave it away, but he invested it. And then the two-bagger, he took it and he invested it. And the one-bagger took his gold and he dug a great big hole and he put put it in his chest and he put it down and he buried it. And he said, you know what? I'm afraid. It's too hard. I don't want to fail. I'm too insecure. And then it says... After a long time, and this is a kind of like a lifetime, if you look at the Greek word, after a lifetime. So like God is, in, like he's expecting, like he's, he doesn't want us to, he doesn't expect us to spend all of our money or do it all instantly. He's expecting us to journey. It's a process that we're going to, to give away what he's given to us, right? The master of the servant returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. So he had five and he made five more. And he was so excited. Master, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more, right? You don't regret as you give away and as you invest in the kingdom. There won't be regret. Even if there is a step back, even if there's failure, if you're doing it out of a heart of saying, God, I want to serve you, you are not going to end in regret. You're going to end in joy, okay? His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. See, there's a special joy that God has when he sees someone take the gift that has been given to them by God and give it away to the rest of the world. See, this is the opposite of what the world says is take your gifts and build yourself, grow, build up. Actually, I just read something. Uh, I hope there's no Steelers fans out here, but there's a quarterback named Ben Roethlisberger, and they just drafted a second-round quarterback with the idea that he's going to take his place because he's getting older. And he said to the press, I am not going to do anything to help this kid take my job. See, that's the way the world thinks. I am building me. I am building my kingdom. But the way that we, we operate differently. The way that we think is, who can I give away 
my wealth to? Who can I give away my talents to? Who can I give away to build up? Who can I say, yes, take my job. Go further than me. If I can do anything to invest in you, if I can do anything to encourage you, if I can do anything to build you up, I'm going to do that. And this is the thing. It's not in glorious ways. It's not in ways not many of us are going to be on stage talking to you know, a couple hundred people or a couple thousand people. Like It's going to be in the everyday. It's going to be in the soccer camps. It's going to be at work. It's going to be at school. It's going to be noticing someone that needs to be encouraged. That's how we invest what God's given to us. And then... The one who buried his treasure comes to the master and says, well, master, uh, I, was, I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, you lazy servant. See, it's the path. It's, it's, it's lazy. It's much harder to open up your treasure and give it away because it's much more vulnerable to get into relationships that you're investing in. I can tell you, people that I've poured my life into, when they walk away from God or when they make bad choices or when you know, they do things, it, it hurts you. It's, it's painful, but it's, it's, it's much easier just to bury it and just live your life and think about yourself. But you will regret it because a life worthy is one that's given away. And so we're gonna talk about two requirements to mentor. And I'm going to keep it simple because you're like, okay, okay, I want to do this. How do I do this, Jonathan? And it's really two simple ways, okay? The first one is you have to care. You, like, you, you really do have to care for people. And if, if, if you start saying, admit it if you don't care for people. Like, that start, that's the beginning. If you say, you know what, I really don't care about other people. That's fine. You know, I don't look, because sometimes I have a hard time caring about other people. It's, it's a human condition, right? And I know my friends realize that about me. <laughs> Okay, okay, and so then you start by saying, okay, I actually want to start, I, I think I want to start caring about other people, and you ask God for help, okay, so, okay, God, my heart is shut off to other people, can you start, start softening it, okay, but you have to care about the person, okay, and actually this quote here from Maya Angelou, in order to be a mentor and an effective one, one must care, you must care, you don't have to know how many square miles are in Idaho, You don't need to know what is a chemical makeup of chemistry or of blood or water. Know what you know, care about the person, care about what you know, and care about the person you're sharing with. Like we have to be motivated by care. That's requirement number one. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, do everything in love. As we're interacting, as we're building these relationships, choose love first every time. Love, love, love. You know, and, and not having an ulterior motive. We don't want to say, okay, I will mentor you, but you, you know, I, I want to be glorified in it. Or it might be somebody who, who's struggling in faith or doesn't know Jesus. Like, I will mentor you, but you know, my whole reason is just so you will become a Christian. I, I, I think people feel that. If they feel something, pressure from you, they're not, it's got to be like pure. And so John 13, 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. How did Jesus love? Look, he gathered 12, 12 teenagers around them who were a mess and he invested in them and they kept on not getting it. They kept on not realizing it. And he kept on speaking life into them, building up, encouraging them. So when the time came, they were ready to step into the place that God had for them. That's how we love even despite the mistakes, even despite the frustrations, you know? And actually, if you work with the younger generation, there's always going to be a, like a divide, like a frustration, like, man, uh, they're always late, right? Or, or you know, they don't, 
ever call me back when I call them. They never answer the phone when I call them. That's because no one in the younger generation answers their phone. Okay, realize that. You know, there's going to be frustrations. They're going to sometimes not do what you advise them to do. Whatever. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens each other. This is the kingdom of God. So we got to care. And the other one is you have to invest time. And that is a resource. That is a treasure that is just precious, right? And you have to. How many people, raise your hand if you coached this week at, at uh, Breakaway Soccer Camp, right? We got a few over here, right? These guys took their time in the evening, like precious time, like dinner time, right? We, didn't eat, we weren't able to eat dinner beforehand. Such a terrible decision, right? <laughs> Invested, right? Those who coach, those who choose the, the volunteer and kids ministry, those who are running small groups, there's mentoring going on in small groups, Right? If you're wondering, okay, how can I be mentored or how can I mentor? Get involved in a small group and God will begin building those relationships that you can invest in each other. You have to invest time into the relationship. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Ephesians 5.15. Listen, I would say choosing to invest what you have into other people is one of the best uses of time that you can do. So much better than watching TV. So much better than most other things that we choose to do instead. But it all comes down to, we have to believe we have something to offer. You have something to offer. And I'm going to have Rebecca come up. And she's going to share just about a, a special mentor in her life. But we all have this treasure chest And we can choose to open it up to those around us. And it doesn't have to be everybody around you. But it can just be the people that come into your life that you know God. If you're intentional and if your eyes are open and if you're saying, God, lead me, he will lead you. Go ahead, Beck. I'm just going to give you a little glimpse as to kind of who I was as a child. Um, I love to sing, um, surprisingly. Um, I loved, um, I just taught myself piano and I... I would put on shows for my stuffed animals. And this is something that was just inside my heart. You know, I grew up on a farm. It's not like I was close to a city and I had like, you know, I could see this. Um, I, it just was a part of me. I don't even think my parents really knew how much I really loved it. <clears throat> and so fast forward to when I'm 14 years old, um, I quit sports. I had a horrible coach that was really just awful to me. And um, I just decided I just didn't want any parts of that. So... But I always had this, like, little place inside my heart that still wanted to perform and, you know, be on stage and stuff, but obviously had never done it, felt really insecure. And after Christmas break, um, we had a meeting. I was a freshman in in high school, and there was a meeting for the high school show. And we went there. It was, like, a new director coming in. And um, he came in the room, and that changed my life. Um, His name was Dave, and he, he just was, like, this sparkling charisma. He was different than any adult I'd ever met. He was so down to earth and real and um, was just so exciting. You just wanted to work with him, you know? And he kind of in that meeting, I always think of him handing me Dumbo's feather to be like, you can do this. Like he was so positive. I was like, I think I can, you know, it kind of illuminated that part in me that I had buried my whole life and had been afraid of. So, you know, I auditioned. I got I got a, a lead as a freshman, and Dave. <laughs> I can't say enough about this man. Like he he was amazing. Um, 
everyone that knew him loved him. He taught, I think, like 60 kids how to juggle for one show and like perform. And he was just incredible. And not only did he just do that in that, you know, in that drama, in that part of my life, um, I became like his babysitter, his go-to babysitter. And I just had such, he had such a part of my life. We just shared a lot of our life together. Um, he and his wife would go out and when they'd come back, they'd sit with me and talk with me for like ever and just talk to me about my life and how I was doing. And, um, it was just, it was amazing. Um, he, then when I was going through a really difficult time in my life, when I, I had an eating disorder, and he and his wife would just literally sit with me and talk with me for hours um, and pray with me. And, you know, if he hadn't invested that time in me and I trusted him, you know, with that vulnerable part of me of performing, and I, I wouldn't have, like, been able to, like, let him in that part of me. So what John is talking about is just so real because it's such a domino effect. You know, you give a little bit and you return so much more and it's not, it's just, it's just the way it is. You know, it's just the principle of giving. Um, Dave was diagnosed with brain cancer my senior year and I, I couldn't, I couldn't bear being the show. Um, so I, I gave it up. Um, and I would still go over all the time and sit with him. And he, up until a couple weeks before his death, he just sat there. You know, he looked physically, you know, he was deteriorating. And um, he just sat there (laughs) and while dying is telling me how much he loves me and telling me, please never give up on theater. You know, you're just so talented. And like this dying man is investing in me still to his dying day, um, which was just, I'll never forget it. Um, his death rocked so many, there were so many people. He went to GRPC, which is a huge mega church in, in Delaware. Um, and they, they couldn't even fit everybody at his funeral. And that's because that's who Dave was. It wasn't just to me. It was to countless kids that he ministered to and just was there for. And I don't think he even realized it. I don't think he knew that that's what he had done. And, you know, that's, again, the domino effect. You don't realize what you do and and how you impact people. Um, And I have to say that, you know, I kind of buried that again for for like 15 years. And I I had kids and, you know, did that whole thing. And I just... (laughs) I felt really dead because, like, that part of me, you know, God wants us to use our gifts, you know, right? We're supposed to use what he's given us. And I didn't, and I didn't, and I didn't. And then finally decided to audition. And when I did, it was Dave. You know, it was his words, his investment in my life that had me audition again. And then I auditioned. And then I started this new realm of my life where I was in this theater community and I was able to minister to people there and I was able to have these people tell me their life stories and their horrible situations and and still do and I have these amazing relationships with people and that's because of Dave that's because of one person so just know that this is real (laughs) this is a real thing and you just give and you just see what God does with it but it is he is going to multiply it Right. Thank you. So what, to end our series, what we're going to do is we're going to hand out a coin to each of you as a symbol of the treasure that God's given to you. And it's a reminder. I mean, you can throw it out if you want, or you can put it on your 
you know, in your car so you can be reminded or in your bathroom or whatever, when you're brushing your teeth, a reminder that you have something to invest. Um, and, and, and I'm going to ask you during this last song just to be asking God, like, God, are there people in my life right now that I need to, to care for and I need to spend time with, I need to invest in, like Dave did to Rebecca and like, um, you know, other people have done for you. Um, I, I feel like um, this is a really powerful thing that we can choose to do. It's a power of mentoring. Um, let's stand up together. And you guys, that is authentic pirate coin that you are getting. So um, realize it's probably worth about a penny each. But it's not the value. It's the value that you carry.